Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. You good? All right. Hey, Pastor Joel's doing a sermon series called Glue, and um, we're talking about things that will, um, that will help us and our families. And, and we know this, that Satan would love nothing more than to, draw, to, to destroy our families. As believers, we've got to get this area of our lives right. We've got to get it right at home because it makes a difference in society when we're doing what we should be at home. No one's going to be a perfect dad. No one's going to be a perfect husband. Um, and a lot of times when pastors talk about families in church, um, they speak in platitudes. Like, if you'll turn your family over to God, everything will be okay. Or let go and let God and, and those type things. I, I appreciate Pastor Joel uh, giving us some practical handles um, that we can uh, take home with us and, and just apply those things to our lives. And there are some things I heard in the, in the marriage sermon that I wish I'd have known uh, when I was a younger husband. Uh, at the same time, there's some things I heard in that marriage series that I wish Beth had known as a younger wife. Um, there, there are some things that I wish I knew as a, as a younger father, some things um, that I wish I'd have done differently. So there are some practical things, and he dealt with some, some subjects last week. There were tough subjects to deal with, um, but he preached the truth, and I'm thankful for that. Um, he asked us to continue the, the Glue series this morning and talk about how to be a great employee. And so we're going to talk about that over the next little bit. Um, according to a LinkedIn survey, as your work uh, relates to your family situation, according to a recent LinkedIn survey, um, 38% of people who responded to this survey said that um, one of the most difficult things uh, that they struggle with as an employee is, is a work-life balance. And so um, there, there are several factors, I think, that contribute to that, and we're going to talk about those in uh, just a little bit. I'm 47 years old, and I added up this weekend um, getting ready for this sermon. I've had 21 jobs in my 47 years. Now, the last 20 years, um, I've worked at only two places, the place I worked at before Peavine, and I've been here for 11 years. If you add up the different locations and uh, different positions I've held at uh, different organizations, then that number goes up to 29. Um, in fact, I, I worked for Campo Electronics. Um, anybody remember Campo Electronics? Yeah, they went bankrupt after I left, but they were right where Bassett Furniture is behind McDonald's out by the mall. And um, when I first came on staff here, Jeanette Ward, uh, I think Jeanette's in this service, uh, Jeanette brought me an invoice where she had bought a TV uh, from me 15 years ago and she, she said it, it quit working. And um, she asked me what she should do about it and I said, you should probably buy a new TV, I, I think would be what I'd do. But uh, so uh, I've had a lot of jobs. Hey. I know how to make a Hardy's biscuit. I can unclog a wall-mounted journal. 
I've written transportation proposals for companies like Mueller, the world's largest producer of fire hydrants. And so I've done a diverse uh, things. I've also been a janitor in a nursing home. So I've uh, done a lot of different things. Uh, I think that when we look at Scripture, Scripture has a lot to say about how to be a great employee. We're going to look at the parable of the talents. Uh, we're going to read that in just a minute. But I think when you read the parable of talents, you understand that Jesus knew something about employee performance. And so uh, let's look together in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But the one who'd received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord." He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. At my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. A couple of things that I think we need to understand about this passage of scripture is the first thing is we we need to know uh, what a talent is. First of all, let's talk about what a parable is. A parable is a story that Jesus told. It was an earthly story that would make sense to everybody, but he was trying to relay a truth, uh, a heavenly truth. And so in this parable, he is explaining what we're supposed to do with what God has given us until Jesus returns, okay? And so um, when, when we talk about talents, uh, here's, here's what a talent is. Talent's a unit of measure. Most commonly, a talent was used to measure silver, but sometimes also copper and gold. A talent was equal to 20 years' salary, Okay, so one talent equals 20 years salary, somewhere between 50 and 60 pounds of silver. So the guy who received five talents got a hundred years salary. The guy who received two talents uh, got 40 years salary, and the guy who got one got 20 years salary. So we're not talking about a side hustle for these guys. We're talking about some guys who were given a lot of money, and they were expected to do something with what they had been given. 
Potentially, they were expected to earn the same type of return on their investment. They were expected to do the same thing with their investment. The second thing that we should notice about this parable is in verse 15, he says this, he gave to each according to his ability. That means he knew that everyone wasn't, all three servants weren't capable Uh, They didn't have the same abilities. All of them weren't capable of handling the same amount of responsibility. And so as he was giving out the talents, he was giving them what they could handle. He knew what they were capable capable of. And he even says to the last one, because he only got um, uh, one talent, he says to him, the least you could have done is at least put it in the bank and I would have gained some interest in got uh, my money back. And then the last thing is, uh, he rewarded them based on the work they did, not just for being on the team. So they weren't rewarded just for being on the team. The master didn't give them participation awards. Y'all with me? And I think sometimes as we, as we deal with our children, man, uh, I mean, Bryant graduated from fifth grade. He was like, so we took Julie out for her graduation. He was like, y'all not going to take me uh, out to dinner? And I was like, what'd you do? And uh, so uh, we, 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 we set our kids up for failure because the truth is they aren't good at anything. Bryant's playing on a U14... I'm I'm sorry, that's not, they're not good at everything. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) I've got six kids. Maybe some of them aren't good at anything, but (laughs) your kids are probably good at some things. Uh, But uh, where where was I? (laughs) Woo! You know, Here's the thing. Bryant's playing on a U14 soccer team. He's 11 years old. So um, he just finished fifth grade. He's playing U14. um, And some of the guys that he plays against, um, you know, have a beard. Um, They're driving themselves to the game. And um, these guys are big. And so uh, his soccer team has won zero games this season. But They are fun to watch. It's fun to watch these little guys go up against these guys that are bigger. They've grown. They work great together as a team. And, um, man, they're they're doing well. And uh, they'll not get a participation trophy. You know why? Because they didn't win any games. They won't get any trophies because they didn't win any games. You know what I owe Bryant? A water at every game and some encouragement along the sidelines. Sometimes when we give our kids these things, we set them up for failure because they think they can do, we we say to them, you can be anything you want to be. Not true. Not true. You can be anything that you know you've already determined you have some abilities and skills that you set your, your mind to. I mean, you can achieve something. I'll give you a perfect example. Dr. Ben Carson grew up in the slums. He was poor. He became the world's greatest pediatric brain surgeon. You know what he did next? He ran for president. Didn't go so well for Ben Carson. 
Ben can't be anything he wants to be. He was a great brain surgeon. He needs to stay in his lane, right? And so we need to, uh, we need to make that clear uh, to our kids. And um, so I'm going to move on. Um, the first thing, and this may be odd for, for you to hear coming from a, a preacher on Memorial Day, but we are not all created equal. We all have different gifts and ability. And it is our responsibility to discover um, what, what God wants us to do, okay? And I want to give you some things this morning um, that I hope will help you. Um, you know, th- this sounds like a message for those that are just graduating high school, but the truth is there are some 50-year-olds who feel like they're in the wrong career. There are some 30-year-olds that feel like they may have made the wrong choice and they may be in the wrong career. Um, and it, you, you, can, uh, you can read uh, articles that will tell you that some people are afraid to step out of the career they're in. They know sh- they should be doing something different, but they are afraid to do something different. So... Um, in fact, that same LinkedIn survey that I mentioned earlier said 19% of people who responded to that survey said one of their greatest struggles as an employee was they lacked passion for the job they were doing. And so here are six things that will help you choose a career. Number one, you don't have to choose a career based on what your dad did. Okay, don't choose a career based on what your dad did. Now, it, it, dude, it, it, it'd be an honor if my boys were preachers, right? Like, I, I would think that's awesome, but they don't need to choose what they do based on what I did. They need to decide what God wants them to do and pursue that with all that they are. Number two, you don't have to choose a career because it's what your mom wants you to do, Okay. Moms, sometimes uh, they think that they've got this plan. Sometimes even they've got this plan for who their kids should marry and what their career is going to be. And, and the truth is, we as individuals uh, need to discover God's design for us and what uh, his plan is for our life. Now, our kids should listen to advice and we should help them. And we sh- man, we, we've got to point them to tools and resources and there are assessments online that, that you can take that will, uh, that will help you to s- determine what you should do and it'll give you some possible careers that match with your personality. Um, but uh, you don't have to be what your mom wants you to be. Number three, lean into your strengths and weaknesses. Here's, here's what we say. We spend a lot of time in church life talking about what has God called you to do? What is, what is God's calling on your life? What is God's will for your life? Okay? And the truth is, I don't think God is specific, as specific as we think he is. I think God has given us gifts I think he's given us talents. I think God has given us passion. And it's our job to discover what those are. When we discover our gifts, our talents, and passion, then we've also discovered God's calling on our life. God made us a certain way, and we are interested in certain things, and we desire to be, um, we're, our interests and passions are, are in certain areas, and we need to pursue those. Number four, understand that every calling is honorable. Now, what, 
what's, what's our anticipation of kids when they graduate high school? What do, what do we assume that they're going to do? Go to college, right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Every kid's not cut out for college. Every kid doesn't need to go to college. I mean, I had 29 jobs, and I didn't get college until about four years ago, right? And so, uh, I don't know if I proved my point there or not, really. Um, but, uh, hey, listen, here's the thing. Everybody's not cut out for college. We send a kid to college, they get a degree in something, they come back, they could care less about what they've got a degree in. But we were pushing them to go to college. We were saying, you've got to get a college education. Everybody's not cut out for college. We have people in our church that are successful plumbers and heat and air guys and welders who make lots of money, who do very well for their family. God calls some people to do a trade. You know what? If we don't encourage some of our kids to, to find their area of giftedness in a trade, long term, that's going to have an effect on our economy. Everybody's not cut out for college. My wife told me I needed to fix one thing after 8.30 in this message, but some people are cut out for college. And if you choose to go to college, that's great. And so um, understand that every uh, calling is honorable. The next thing is be creative using your talents. The parable of the talents uh, doesn't discuss in detail how they made their money, but it says this. It says that they traded and they bought and sold and they earned double the amount they were given. And so uh, be creative. Find ways to differentiate yourself in uh, the workplace. Number six, bloom where you're planted. Hey, some people right out of high school, they don't have a clue what they are supposed to do. And we put tons of pressure on them. You know what I find myself doing with some of our seniors here at the church? Hey, do you know what's next for you? Man, we are putting an undue amount of pressure on these kids. Some of these kids just need to go get a job at some place that's not passing out E. coli. And, um, and they just need to go get a job and they need to work. And... Um, they need to spend some time trying to discover what God wants them to do. Perhaps they'll discover what they don't want to do. Some people, the right path for them is they're smart enough, they made good grades in school, it makes sense for them to go to college. Maybe they just need to go to college and be the absolute best student they could be until God reveals to them and they spend the time seeking God and what God wants them to be. Some kids are given awesome opportunities to do different things and, and perhaps they need to to seize that opportunity and make the absolute best of that opportunity. But the truth is, God's got you in a place for a reason, and we need to bloom where we're planted. Right? Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. What's next? Okay. Next thing is do your job. How to be a great employee, um, do your job. Like that makes sense, right? Just do your job. Um, but 
it's uh, not, not as much common sense as you might think it is. Um, should be basic information. Um, when you do your job in the workplace, you actually are setting uh, yourself apart from other people. I, I've got eight things here and then we're done. Um, eight things that um, will help you become a great employee. And let me, let me just say this. Some of what we're talking about is, is just practical stuff. I can't give you a comprehensive list in 30 minutes of everything you need to do to be a great employee. Some of that information depends heavily on um, what your career is. And so there are things that you um, need to do some research for yourself. But these are some things that that I think are important, uh, some things that will help you. This sermon series is designed to be practical. And and so I'm going to give you some practical things along those lines. Dude, this bullpen right up here is tricky. I'm just telling you. And um, I almost didn't use this uh, TV, um, but I, I, told, uh, I told Joel, I said, hey, I don't want to be Gilligan. And uh, so uh, I'm going to give it everything I've got. Eight things that will help you be a great employee. Number one, show up on time, right? If you show up on time to work, some of these things we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. You show up on time for work, in, in, in many instances, man, you are already setting yourself apart from the rest of the people in the crowd, so show up on time. Number two, know that the boss is the boss. Whoever your boss is, man, they're, they're in charge, and it's your job to do what you're asked to do in the workplace. There may be, uh, there may be a situation where um, you don't love your boss. There may be times when your boss don't love you. I mean, you've got to work those things out and you've got to figure them out. Here's what the Bible says about bosses, bond servants, and we may resist that word right there, but the truth is in the New Testament, servant, slave, and employee are used interchangeably at different times throughout the New Testament. It says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and with trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Know that the boss is the boss. Number three, don't let the fear of failure paralyze you. You know what? Sometimes we, we maybe have a nudging that we need to do something different and maybe there is a new opportunity that we're offered, but we're afraid we're not going to be good enough or we're afraid it's gonna, we're going to mess it up. Um, watch what other people are doing. Learn, um, learn, learn from others and um, don't let your fear um, paralyze you from doing something that God wants you to do. Number four, learn from your mistakes, okay? You're gonna mess up in the workplace. Mid-90s, I was working for Shoe Carnival. It was good times. I loved that job, I I really did. I was working for Shoe Carnival. Uh, I hired on in Chattanooga. I actually never worked in Chattanooga. Um, I started in Huntsville, Alabama, and went from there to uh, three different stores in the Carolinas. And, um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Beth got homesick. We moved back and Carnival wouldn't hire me in Chattanooga, um, because I was crossing regions. It's a long story. But anyway, I'm going to tell you this, it happened. Um, you're going to make mistakes. I, I was, uh, in the store, I was scheduled to close. And so I came in at noon and traffic in the store was slow. Like it was, it was slow. And so I was, uh, 
I was scheduled to close. I was, you know, new into it a few months into the job. And I thought, man, I, I don't want, um, I don't want to not make our sales goal. You know, you got, you work in retail, you got a sales goal and it's last year's numbers plus a little bit of percent more. And, and so I want to meet the sales goal. And uh, Shoe Carnival, at that time, they've lowered their standard now. But at that time, at the end of every song, you had to make an announcement on the mic. Like, after every song. And if, you, uh, if, if someone found out that that didn't happen, you got in trouble. But you had to make an announcement after every song. And so Shoe Carnival, that was the standard. They also liquidated clearance really well. And so uh, pink sticker merchandise, they would get rid of it. If, that we never had spring shoes in the fall. Uh, we got rid of all that stuff, um, and so I thought, traffic's slow, we're not going to make our day, but if I run some specials on the mic, maybe I can generate a little bit of excitement, so here's what I did. I grabbed that microphone, and I said, shopping fans which is what I always said when I started out my little spiel on the mic. I said, hey, for the next 15 minutes, 15 minutes only, all pink sticker merchandise, which was clearance in the store, all pink mer sticker merchandise is buy one, get one equal or lesser value for a penny. Dude, ladies started running. You could see cardboard flying over those clearance racks. They were on that like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat. It was nuts in the store. But you know what? the sales started to go up. I watched the numbers go up, and, and we made our day. Matter of fact, we made it by a decent amount, and I was feeling good at my, about myself. I thought, Elam, you are a genius. I went home and told Beth, hey, babe, we made our day. It didn't look like we were. Hey, the other guy, he was, sales weren't good when he was there, but we made the day. Uh, I was scheduled to open the next morning. I got a phone call, got to the store about uh, nine in, in the nine o'clock range, got a phone call about 9.30 before we were supposed to open the store at 10 o'clock. And uh, it was a lady on the phone. She said, I need to speak to Jeremy. I said, this is Jeremy. She said, hold the phone for Tim Baker. Tim Baker was executive vice president of store operations for Shoe Carnival. I thought this joker has heard what has happened in Huntsville. Well, he got on the phone. He said, hey, Jeremy, you want to tell me why you ran a negative profit margin yesterday? And I said, um, well, you know, no one told me that there was a percentage hidden in all those numbers over there. There was your profit margin. You were supposed to, at that time, maintain a 35% profit margin. And I'd sold pink sticker shoes, buy one, get one for a penny all day. And we made our sales goal, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I still hold the record for the only guy in the history of Shoe Carnival that ran a negative profit margin on a whole day of sales. I learned from my mistake. Tim ended the call by saying, hey, Jeremy, don't do that again. I didn't get fired, but uh, I learned from my mistake. Um, number next, always be a learner. Read books about, about your profession. Um, uh, be teachable. When, it, when it's time to learn things in the workplace, be teachable. Um, always try to make yourself a little better um, in the workplace. Number six, listen more than you speak. Okay? I think I got a verse here. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
We got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Sometimes in the workplace, you just need to shut your mouth and listen, okay? Learn to listen more than you speak. And number seven, work with integrity. Um, There's a verse here, Titus uh, chapter 2 Uh, Verse 7 and 8 says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good, and your teaching show integrity, serious, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about this. Titus is saying, um, set an example and show integrity in the workplace. Um, There's a quote, John Maxwell wrote a book called, There's No Such Thing as Business Ethics. In this, uh, the book, entire book is about integrity in the workplace, but he says this, if you want to do something that will make an impact beyond your own life, then treat people better than they treat you, walk the extra mile, help people who cannot help you, do right when it is natural to do wrong, and keep your promises even when it hurts. Work with integrity. Number eight, don't compartmentalize your faith. Um, dude, as, as believers, let me share this verse with you. Um, Titus 1.15, unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Here's another verse. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Man, we need to be salt and light in the workplace. Don't leave your faith at home. Tell others about Jesus. Let your, let, let your work ethic point others to Christ. Be the best employee that you can be once you discover what it is God wants you to be. There's, there's nothing in this message this morning that is... Um, as Pastor Joel said last week, there's no rocket science here. Man, these are, these are just some basic principles um, that we need to be reminded of. Because the fact is, what, uh, what we do at work, it affects our home life. And, and uh, we need to make sure that we're, we're doing what it is God has called us to do. And that we're being the kind of employee in the workplace that lets other people know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, I wouldn't be following my calling if I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's as simple as us understanding that we're sinners. Sin didn't begin with us. Sin began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But the truth is, all of us are sinners. It's not God's perfect plan. But because God loves us, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. We've got to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And then according to Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, we just got to tell God that out loud. And when we do that, we begin a relationship with Jesus. When you have a relationship with Jesus, everything that we've talked about in this family series makes sense. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. As long as we're in this body of flesh, we're still going to mess up. But if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, man, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. You can respond. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.